Well, again, welcome, welcome. And uh, we have one week yet in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as I said before, it should not be called fasting because it's slowing. You know, it's it. How many of you have noticed this goes slow? Everybody who's participating, the rest of you repent, join us. Come on. All right. Hey, and I wanted to mention uh, our guest speaker this evening is going to be James Sonic. Now, James was on staff here for a while uh, before he came in the ministry. He was a professional uh, magician and now he's a pastor. I don't know how those correlate at all. But I don't think they do. But um, we sent him down to Battle Creek about 15 years ago. He's been pastoring. Uh, victory life there and the church is just exploding just doing a wonderful job he's going to be with us tonight and today we're continuing our pray first series now it's in second chronicles where it talks about king asa and it says that he was diseased in his feet yet in his disease he did not seek the lord but the physicians now we love doctors nurses medicine it's all wonderful, but what God wants us to do, he wants us to pray first. And really the most valuable thing that we can do is prayer. God said that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. You know, praying for your life, for your family, for your kids, your marriage, your business, your job, your school, your friendships. It's a part of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, the Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I brought a message about the seventh hand. You know, six is the number of man. And we can do so much with our strength, our knowledge and our ability. But when God puts his hand on what we're doing, everything changes. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, when it comes to prayer, I believe most Christians want to pray, but they don't know how to pray. In fact, I believe all Christians really do. They want to pray, but don't know how. Now, the Bible says that Jesus arose early and went to a solitary place to pray. Now, now two things I want to mention here. I, I want to recommend prayer in the morning. And you say, why? Well, if you played the violin, you wouldn't tune up after the concert. You would tune up before the concert, right? And prayer is our tune up for the day, right? I think we should pray early. That's what Jesus did. Now, some of you, you know that faith without coffee is dead. All right, you, you, need, you need to get moving a little bit before you're just going to fall asleep. I understand that, but, but you need to have a time where you pray. I think mornings are the best. All right? But then notice Jesus went to a solitary place to pray. Now, the Bible tells us about Daniel that every day since his youth, since his early days, since his teenage years, it says that he would go to the upstairs of his house he would open a window and he would kneel down, face Jerusalem, and he would pray three times every day in the same place. It says about Moses that he took and he put up a special tent and they called it the tent of meeting. Right? And whenever he'd go out there to meet with God and pray, they could literally see the glory cloud come down. Now, Susanna Wesley was the father, father, <laughs> I really messed up. The mother of Charles John Wesley, she had 19 kids, 
All right. And she said that her place was she would she would take her, her uh, apron and she'd put it over her head. How many know when you got 19 kids, there's no place you can go. You are just stuck. But she literally, she would take her apron and put it over her head in order to find a place where, where she could concentrate on what she was doing. Now, prayer typically begins as a desire. We want to pray. Then we discipline ourselves to pray. And then prayer becomes a delight. Right? But the rally cry really should be pray first. When you're sick, when you're discouraged, pray first for your marriage, for your kids, for your money, your budget, your job, when you're setting goals. And listen, if you're thinking of dating somebody, pray, pray first. When we need to pr need direction, when we're depressed, going to go on vacation, making a commitment, you're moving, making a big per whatever it is, pray first. Right? It doesn't need to be for hours and hours. Doesn't even need to be an hour, right? In, in fact, you know, you, you wake up in the morning, the first thing, thank God for the day. On your way to work, ask him for help. You're going to have a meal, give a prayer of thanksgiving. You've got an appointment, ask God to bless it. Help it to be a success. You're kid, dropping your kids off for school, pray that as they go to school, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to learn that God will protect them, that God will help them, that God will bless them. Smith Wigglesworth, the great evangelist, said this. He said, I seldom, if ever, pray 20 minutes. He said, but I seldom go 20 minutes without prayer. It's not that it has to be this super long prayer. And that's where so many of us miss it. We think it's got to be this super long thing, but it doesn't need to be the super long thing. Now, Nehemiah, he's the cupbearer for the king. So the king is his boss. Now, your boss has a little bit of power over you. He could fire you. How many of you know your boss could fire you? You know, and so you try to be like, be on your best behavior. Now, in Nehemiah's case, this was to the extreme. In Nehemiah's case, the law was, if you were, came into the king's presence and you were depressed or sad, they cut off your head. So he goes into the king's presence and Jerusalem is in ruins and, and it, and the king notices and said, this is nothing but sadness of your heart. What's wrong? And he says, king, he says, like Jerusalem's in ruin and the gates are burned and the people are without protection. And, and king, what else could I do? And the king says, well, what is it you're asking? The king said, now this is what he said. So I prayed to God and said to the king. So the king asked him a question and he's standing in front of the king and he prayed to God and asked the king. You know how long that prayer was? Help! It wasn't even out loud, but inside he was yelling. All right? He prayed to God and talked to the king. He prayed like that three-second prayer. But God heard the prayer and answered the prayer. And so often we think it's got to be this just huge, huge thing that we do. It doesn't. All right? But it should be something that we're doing all the time. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And don't forget to thank him for the answers. The Message Bible says it a little different. I love this. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. 
Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. In other words, when you're concerned about something, you're worried about something, that means that's the thing that you need to pray for. Shape your worries into prayers. Let God know your concerns. Before you know it, a good sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle down on you. And it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So we need to be praying about everything that comes up in our life, but it doesn't need to be this super, super long prayer. Now, I want to encourage you. In fact, I'm going to help you today. We're going to memorize two verses. And you think, I've never been able to memorize scripture. You'll memorize these two really, really quick. Verse number one, rejoice always. How many got that one already? That's the whole verse, two words. Rejoice always. The next one is more difficult. It's three words. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now again, that's not saying you're going to spend 24-7 on your knees. But it's saying you pray when you get up. Pray when you have a meal. Pray when you're driving to work. Pray when you're going to read your Bible. And, and say, God, help me understand this, what I'm reading. You pray when you're going to have a meeting. Pray for your family. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your relationships. Pray at your job that it's going to go well. Pray, pray, pray. And then it says, in everything, give thanks. Again, a prayer. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, how many have ever heard somebody say this? It's so bad, all we can do is pray. I'm like, we are down to prayer. Everything else hasn't worked, but now we can just pray and hope, hope and pray that something might happen. Prayer should not be our last response. Prayer should be our first response to every situation. Pray first. All right. Uh, well, we are, we are, we're, our world is in a mess. Amen. Our world's in peril. It's in trouble. Not only is there moral decline, but as the, the world has abandoned God's ways, the world mocks at God's ways. We have terrorism, wars, ISIS. And, and literally in the last century, the, the, the 20th century, there were more people martyred for Christ than in the previous 19 centuries. And, and we sit here and don't even so often even recognize it. But I believe we are living in the last days. I believe it. You know, today the United Nations is meeting to divide up Jerusalem, to put sanctions on Israel. And Zechariah said this, Zechariah 12, verse 3, and it shall happen in that day. And if there was ever a that day, it is today, this day, that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all people. And all who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth, and that's literally what's happening at the United Nations, be gathered together against it. I believe these are the last days. And I believe that what the Bible says about the former and the latter reign is true, that there was a great revival 2,000 years ago, but the latter reign, the latter revival is going to be greater than the first revival. I believe that. Right? Now, the Bible tells us, for example, in 2 
Chronicles 7. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I will heal their land. But notice that if, 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 if you'll humble yourself. And how do you humble yourself? David said, I will humble myself with fasting. Prayer and fasting, working and pray. Then God says, and we turn from our wicked ways. He will heal our land. Again, most of us want to pray, but we don't know how to pray, right? And, and, and how many of you have noticed when you pray, everything happens to keep you from praying? Everything that you didn't do, that you should have done, you think of. I mean, somebody you haven't called in five years, you think of. L listen, last week, well, just over a week ago, I was praying, right? We're in the 21-day fast. I'm on my Daniel fast, and I'm praying. And I kid you not, it was like this voice said, get the Brussels sprouts in the refrigerator. <laughs> now, just listen, these are not fancy Brussels sprouts, all right? This is Daniel fast. They are boiled in water. No salt. There's no, they are fuchi. You understand Fuji is Spanish. I mean, it's like, yuck, right? They are Brussels sprouts. And I am praying, I am, I am praying, all right? And it's like, Brussels sprouts, you have to have them. You have to have them. And I'm like, what is this? I am fighting to not eat Brussels sprouts? You know, when you pray, it seems like everything comes up to keep, how many have noticed that? Everything comes up to keep you from praying. So Jesus is praying and his disciples come. And the Bible says, as he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. Now what rabbis would do is they would teach their disciples prayers, right? Now in the last 250 years, impromptu prayers have become very, very popular. Right? But before that, almost all the time when Christians prayed, for the first 1,750 years of Christianity, they prayed memorized prayers or prayed with a prayer book. Right? Even in the book of Acts, chapter 3, the disciples are going to the temple at the hour of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Right? It says the hour of prayer, but in the Greek, it's actually the hour of prayers. Because they would memorize prayers. I remember the first time, I, uh, well, say the second time I we went to Israel, we, uh, we stayed Friday evening with a Orthodox Jewish family, as we do every time we go now. And we have the Shabbat meal and go to synagogue with them. Now, I thought synagogue was going to be boring, all right? The, the, it was anything but boring, all right? First of all, they, they bring us in, they sit, and, and I got Pastor Joe with me. They, they sit us down, and the first thing we notice is everybody's got a gun. Right? And right in front of us, under these two chairs, there's an M16 laying there. And there's this little five-year-old kid kind of messing around with it while his dad's doing, doing the prayers. And Pastor Joe, quack, he says, I love this place. <laughs> now, if you know Pastor Joe, you know, he's the gun guy. He's just, he, he can't go anyplace without two guns on him, you know. And, and then here's, here's the other thing that, you know, that we, we noticed, that 80% of the service was prayer. It was prayer. Everybody had their prayer book and everybody was praying. And we did, a, we did a Jericho march and we're dancing in synagogue. And I'm like, I never thought this was going to be like that. Right? But the thing that hit us 
the most out of everything was how focused that, that, that the entire service was on prayer. Right? And so the, 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 the rabbis would teach their disciples to pray. So Jesus is going to teach his disciples to pray. Now, if you pray this prayer, the Lord's prayer, and you pray it with intentionality, you have prayed a great prayer. However, right, it's not really meant to just be prayed. Right? It's supposed to be an outline for prayer or headings for prayer. For example, if you pray the Lord's prayer, you pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Well, if you just go on to the next thing, you never did it. How many of you know that's not forgiving? Just praying the prayer saying I should forgive is not forgiving, right? What you're supposed to do is stop and forgive, right? It, it's not just something you're to, to simply pray, but it's headings or it's an outline on how to pray. So Jesus said to them this prayer. He said, pray our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgo those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then there's in most of our Bibles, it says, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And actually a king of England added that to the King James Bible about, uh, well, it was in the 16th century. And that part was not in the original prayer. But notice how he starts. He starts, our father who art in heaven. Now, the first thing I want to mention is just the hour, right? Because in Western Christianity, now this is not true universally, but this is true in Western Christianity, right? We think that Christianity is about my relationship with God, and it's not. Hello? Right? Christianity is supposed to be about your relationship with God and your relationship with other Christians, Right? You, you literally cannot do it alone. That, that, that's why in, in your, in your, just in the New Testament, there's over 30 one another's. Love one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, bear one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. Because Christianity is not just about you and God. It's about you, God, and the family of God. That's why it is impossible to be a Christian the way the Bible tells us to be a Christian and stay home. You've got to be connected. But he said, our father who art in heaven, we're to relate to God as a father, right? Not, not, not this formal thing. Oh, thy holiness who art in heavenest. We worship thee. No, 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 no. How many of you don't know your, your kids don't come up to thee? Oh, most holy thee. Will thou please permit me? No, 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 no. We're to relate to God as a father. Now, some people have problems with this because they think of their earthly father and they had an earthly father that wasn't a very good earthly father. But let me tell you about your heavenly father. He's perfect. He loves you. He said he'd never leave you, never forsake you. He was give, willing to give his very best to redeem you. Don't think of God like you would, like a, a, a government, all right? That, that, that simply, you're a number. 
No, no, no. God knows everything about you and cares for you. Now, we have 18 grandchildren and one on the way. So Jeannie says 19. Now, now let me tell you, when, when I go over to their house and I open the door and they scream and they go, Papa! And they run and they grab my legs and they grab my waist and they're, Papa, we love you, we love you. I'm like, yes, yes, you are wonderful. All right. You know, that's what God wants from us. He wants that love relationship. You know, and, 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 and you parents, listen, you, you parents, you still got kids. Hang in there. They're going to grow up. You're going to get grandkids. And grandkids are your reward for not killing your kids. Kids, <laughs> grandkids are better. They are smarter. They are not, oh, grandkids are awesome. They're awesome. So you just hang in there. All right. So, so we're to connect with God on a relational level. Right? We don't serve God because we're afraid of God. Right? We serve God because we love God. Romans 8 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Literally, Daddy, Daddy. That's the type of relationship that we're to have with him. All right? And that's the type of a relationship that we're to have with the body of Christ, a relationship of love and concern. Second thing, hallowed be your name or holy is your name. It says in Proverbs chapter 18 that the name of the Lord is a high tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. You know, God has lots of names. And those names show his concern, his love, and the way he wants to provide for us. He's the Lord, our shepherd, when we need direction. He's the Lord, our righteousness, when we fall. He's the Lord that's there, the Lord present. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's the Lord, our banner, the Lord, our victory. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who sees ahead and provides. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, your peace. He's the Lord, our salvation. Now, when Jesus comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he says to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist risen from the dead, or you're like Elijah, come back. But Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter rose up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, now, now listen, you, God will be to you who you say he is to you. You see, the way you release your faith is by confessing who he is to you. He's your peace. He's your shepherd. He's your victory. He's your healer. He's your provider. We need to say who he is. He's our righteousness. Right? You need to say who he is to you and he will be who you say he is. That's how you release your faith is by what you say. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. This means God's agenda. Pray God's agenda. Now, I want to ask you a question and I want you to think about this. If God answered your prayers, what would change? What would, be cha what would change? Would the world change or would just your life change? 
A lot of people, basically their prayers are this, Lord, bless me, my wife, our son, his wife, us four, no more, Acts 2, 4. I mean, we're just, all we do is pray, listen, all we do is pray about ourselves. Now, there is a place to pray for yourself, right? But if that's all it is, you're missing it. There is a whole heading here, a whole division of this prayer where we're not praying about our stuff. We're praying about kingdom stuff. Kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all that stuff, it just gets added to you. You put kingdom first and God just takes care of your stuff. You get concerned about his stuff. He'll show up and take care of your stuff. All right. Are you praying for laborers? Are you praying for the church? Are you praying for the government? How many of you know our government needs prayer? It says here in Timothy, it says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, presidents, prime ministers, for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness, in reverence. How many of you know that our nation, more than ever before, we need a godly judiciary. We need a godly Supreme Court. And how's it going to happen? We need to pray. We need to pray. Right? We need to pray for the persecuted church. Right? So our primary concerns in the, at this area need to be what are the things the kingdom of God is concerned about and not just ourselves. Give us this day our daily bread. Literally, they say that this actually could mean like your, your to-do list or your shopping list. How many of you have a to-do list? Honeydew list. <laughs> right. It's saying like, like when it, you get to this point, you say, God, I want you to bless my marriage and bless me that I can be a better spouse. And God, help my kids have a heart for you and help them in school. Be, be, be as best students that they can be and, and protect them with, with their, in their friendships and pray for your business and pray for your job and pray for a meeting that you're going to be having and praying about how you're investing your money. But it's saying here, at this point, you pray for all the things that are on your heart, all of your concerns, right? Pray first. It says, we lift up our eyes onto the hills. From where does our help come? It comes from the Lord the creator of heaven and earth. And then this part, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, at this point, you're to forgive. Now, I want to ask everybody, is, is there anybody here who has been offended already today? Don't worry about it if you haven't because the day's still young. All right. Sometime before the day's over, you will probably have an opportunity. Jesus literally says this in Mark 11. He says, every time that you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. Every time you pray. Now, let me ask you this. How many have been deeply hurt or your family has been deeply hurt by what somebody said or somebody did to you? See, and, and you may need to forgive that person again and again and again and again and again and again and again. You pray for them. Not that they have a car wreck, but you pray God bless them. You pray God open their eyes. Dr. Cho pastors the largest church in the world. It's almost a million people. And I heard him say this. 
And what he said? He said, I must pray four hours every day. I hate so many people, I must forgive. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but, but I got somebody on my list I pray for every day. I forgive them every day. Now, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. This is what's gonna happen. The Bible says that God enlarges your heart. God gives you compassion for that person. And the day will come when I will not have to pray for that person. But I'm still praying. I'm still praying for that person. And, and it's, been, it's, been, it hasn't, it's been nearly a year, but I still pray for that person. And I forgive that person. And I pray God's blessing on that person. You know what that does? That keeps your heart right. That keeps your heart right. You see, Christianity is not just about being forgiven. Christianity is about forgiving others. It's about free. You receive forgiveness and then we give forgiveness. All right. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's actually a pretty bad translation. Better translation would say, don't allow me to be led into temptation. All right. And we all know that there are so many around us. You know, and we have an adversary. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober. Be vigilant because you're adversary. The devil is not the sum of all evil in the world. He is a malevolent, wicked, evil being. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. The Amplified says resist him from the onset. The best way to have victory over temptation is not meditate on that thing. Don't receive it, but immediately when it comes, resist. For we don't fight against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, the mighty satanic beings and evil princes of darkness who rule this world and a huge number of wicked spirits in the heavenly places. Nehemiah said this as he was building the wall. They were literally, they were building the walls of Jerusalem. It was kingdom work. He said, fight for your family, fight for your family. And uh, probably next month, we're going to do a series of messages on fighting for your family. Right? And as you pray, I just want to mention one more thing. You know, take the word of God, the promises of God, and pray those promises that God has given us in his word. We call it reverse thunder. You know, when God showed up, at Mount Sinai and begin to speak, the Bible says there was thunder and there was lightning as God spoke his word. But when you and I pray that word back to God, it's reverse thunder. We're sending that word back to him and God's promises are like gold. They never tarnish, they never get old, they just glow with greater and greater meaning. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment Our culture says that good people go to heaven, but the Bible tells us it's forgiven people that go to heaven, that everyone can be forgiven, that everyone gets to heaven the same way, that everyone can meet the requirements. But you're not a Christian by association. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. All of my efforts could never make me right with God and all of your efforts can never make you right with God. 
There's just one way, and that's through Jesus. So Jesus said, you must be born again. That means give him all of your heart, all of your life. He's not a thief to steal it, a manipulator to trick you. You need to consciously give him all your heart and all of your life. And, and what we sometimes think is, well, I know about God. We all do. You celebrate Christmas, you celebrate Easter, and you know in your head. But salvation is not about your head. Salvation is about your heart. It's about giving Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. And if you're here today and you're not where you should be with God, he doesn't have all your heart and all your life today. And you say, I want to be right with God. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, would you please lift your hand? We're going to pray. And God is going to meet you right here in this place today. And when we leave, you're going to be right with God. You're going to be forgiven. It says every head's bowed, every eye closed. As you lift your hand today, the first thing you're going to be saying to God is, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I'm coming to Jesus to be forgiven and to be saved. One. As you lift your hand, you're saying today, I'm giving Jesus all my heart, all my life. I'm going to live for him. Two, get ready. As you lift your hand, you're saying, God, today, I'm receiving Jesus by faith, and he will come into my heart. He'll blood wash me from my sin. My past will be gone. I'll be forgiven. I'll be a part of your family. You're going to make me new on the inside.